Hello, and welcome to the Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. And this podcast is brought to you by Kimray. Visit kimray.com to see our full library of training materials and videos. I'm Kyle Andrews, and I'm here today with John Becker, the National Sales Manager for ProFire. Curtis Winkle also joins us. He's a little under the weather, so... I'm doing great. I just sound bad. So I'll try to keep the talking to a minimum. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. So John, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and your background? Yeah, certainly Kyle. Thank you. And again, for uh, this introduction and if not the uh, inclusion on these podcasts, I think we'll find some value both internally as well as with some of our external clients. So again, thank Mm -hmm. you. But uh, yeah, so John Becker here with ProFire. Um, I've been at ProFire working on my seventh year. Uh, which puts me somewhere in about the 24-year range in the combustion burner management instrumentation automation uh, environment, if you will. Um, yeah, so I um, uh, born and raised in uh, Alaska. I guess that always gets everybody uh, by surprise. But uh, by way of uh, Texas A&M, uh, where uh, I followed my high school sweetheart to uh, college. And uh, so again, we've... Uh, yeah, made our way here into the uh, oil and gas and the energy sector. Yeah, that's awesome. So you mentioned seven years at ProFire. Where were you uh, prior to ProFire? Yeah, prior to that, I was with a uh, distributor uh, by the name of Wilson Moore, which is now Relevant Solutions. Uh, I was there just under 18 years. Uh, capacity there, uh, role responsibility was a VP of their industrial automation division. All right. Very cool. Now, are you one of the A&M guys that wears the ring all the time? You know, you say that, Curtis, is that, yeah, I, I, I am. <laughs> it's one right now. I don't have it on in this podcast. So it's, uh, it's blasphemy for the Aggies out there. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, we've got a few of those rolling around, Kim Ray. Always give them a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. All the, uh, the Aggies I've met uh, will definitely let you know that they're Aggies. Oh, yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with that. There's There seems to be. Um, you know, I don't know if the other schools just don't um, say it as often, but it seems like there's Aggies everywhere in the uh, in the gas, oil and gas industry. Indeed. Um, uh, just as a people. side note, uh, my wife and I now are uh, empty nesters. Our uh, one and only uh, child, our daughter, is now a freshman at AM. and There you go. Congrats. All right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so she's going to be a future scientist in oceanography and uh, marine biology. So we're, we're pretty wow. proud of that. Oh, wow, that is really cool. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, tell us about ProFire and uh, your history there and kind of the history as a a company and, you know, just the evolution of the company. Yeah, you bet. Thanks again for that. Yeah. So ProFire Energy uh, obviously started out as ProFire Combustion, uh, primarily uh, in the service um, side of combustion, safety, efficiency, even a touch of environmental uh, when they started back in 2002. Uh, we've morphed into now ProFire Energy, uh, incorporated as a, a technology company uh, focused on the combustion burner management automation uh, side of things. So this is something that we take pride in, not only from a safety standpoint, but obviously as it works into the environmental uh, concerns that our clients and even uh, obviously current administration, any administration should have is uh, you know our social governance for environmental uh, component. But as a safety company, Again, we have worked into as a manufacturer of the combustion uh, components. We package, system uh, integrate, or if not value add into building fuel trains and all other ancillary components related to safety IO 
um, specific for uh, controlling, monitoring, and safely shutting down any thermal appliance uh, that you find not only in the upstream, midstream, even the downstream to include uh, LNG, refining, petrochem, chemical, uh, you name it. So again, we take pride in this uh, true, not only just oil and gas, but energy sector. Yeah. Now, are the, the people that you sell to, are they always buying these packages or do you guys sell, you know, individual components and let people, you know, assemble the kind of their own packages? Yeah, it's, um, it's yes to all of that, right? So we, yeah. we tend to sell the packaging to the engineering and if not end user, which leads right there in the center is your packagers, your OEMs. Uh, your manufacturing, your uh, fabricators, those that uh, that have their own blend of solution. So mm -hmm. they may be buying boxes uh, where we find more of the end user, the engineering firm. Those folks tend to uh, buy the uh, entire package solution. Uh, so again, we we like and love all of them. Um, we just right now we try to get more of the spend of diversifying our revenue by saying, hey, we introduce our uh, system integration capability uh, and making sure that they do recognize not only the skill sets and then even beyond that is our approval um, on what we're working on now with UL 508 for panel shop. We're working on the division two uh, and even uh, Haslock uh, certifications uh, that our panels will come out with those certs. So it, uh, okay. it definitely helps us there. Yeah. So with, with those certifications, are you finding yourself being able to uh, get into more places or with stricter regulations on, on certain areas? Yeah, most certainly. And even geography, there's obviously prescribed uh, perhaps uh, safety, if not environmental uh, concerns that you have to meet to even be uh, invited to the dance, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, so we do find it is a me too offering, but we do also is that it does bring value add. It does change our behaviors on how we do things in turn allows us to turn out a, a solid, solid solution. Yeah. Um, what are one or two things that you find yourself teaching your customers uh, on a regular basis? Yeah, great segue to that. Obviously talking about the safety approvals, um, the, the clients tend to come to us just because either A, they, they don't know, they haven't had the time or effort to do the research, uh, or they look for uh, experts, if you will, in the industry to give them this type of information. Uh, mm -hmm. So we teach them not only on the uh, safety approval, uh, perhaps even the environmental, uh, and that's obviously with uh, what we try to talk to our, our team about, our sales team, our technical advisement team, is try to educate the client on what this burner, what this actual 4 to 20 control valve, what this specific instrument will do not only for a, uh, an obvious ROI, but what it would do from either uh, potential uh, environmental reduction uh, credits or what it would do for just your emission for any other emittance or uh, um, uh, stack, if you will. But yeah, it's one thing just teaching them on the safety, uh, the environmental and you know, safety approval. Maybe that's three, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's what we find our, ourselves doing most of. Yeah. Have you seen uh, the industry working towards ESG commitments and, and what's ProFire doing on that front? 
Yeah, certainly. Uh, the, the ESG, and you know, we've always seen over the years, uh, a lot of these acronyms that, that come out and they become uh, a narrative, if you will, and depending upon what side of the fence you're on, uh, you, know, you, you can draw your conclusions there. But uh, we find that ESG is something all of us um, just as just humans, we need to be doing right, or even just personally from recycling or what have you. But even taking it mm-hmm. to a grander scale, a larger uh, global emission footprint. Uh, a lot of these producers and end users, um, I see a lot. And when I say a lot, in the past probably six months, that acronym has come up more than the prior six years. Right. So we know that it's real. Um, we just recently came from an LNG summit in Florida, and they have a net neutrality that they're looking to get by 2050, uh, which follows right in line with the ESG initiative. So it's, yeah. it's real. And what Profire we're doing is, is looking to align ourselves with uh, burner manufacturers. We're looking to internalize some of the things that we can do in, in natural draft applications. Uh, to reduce NOx, to reduce emissions, uh, to uh, you know, teach our clients about our preventative maintenance programs. These are things that uh, they can introduce that can help run more efficiently and obviously uh, you know, impact or if not be a part of their ESG initiative. Is there, I've, I've got this question before, um, kind of the advantages between flares and combustors. Do you see one being used more commonly in certain applications and one in another? Yeah, certainly. And, and a lot of these are, again, back to when I had mentioned something you know, about prescribed uh, environmental guidelines, right? So when you look at certain areas, and I know pick on a couple of states like New Mexico or Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have folks there that have migrated from flares to combustors. Uh, we do find that a lot of these manufacturers, whether it be a flare or a combustor, you know, they do have to meet, you know, stringent guidelines specific to the quad OA um, uh, for, for EPA, right? These are things right. that are recognized that you have to meet, but we find that the, the open flare, right? This is more from somebody sees a fire, right? Fire, bad, um, we see that it's, you know, a combustor, it's, it's an enclosed uh, to where now we can provide better, tighter, um, and if not, um, uh, you know, kind of control that burn. Right. Uh, but we do know that obviously with a, a fire being there, it's one that, uh, again, our clients, and if not the, uh, even just the, uh, the surrounding public, uh, we do find that as long as we're, we're falling within the, the Quad OA guidelines, then we're in good shape. Right. And I, I would imagine for the customer, it's, you know, like you were saying, they see fire and that just, oh, fire's bad. And even though they're, they're doing the same thing, you know, both the combustor and the, and the flare, it's kind of that, that visual cue of them seeing that, that some people don't like. Indeed. Indeed. Um, have you found that customers uh, are hesitant uh, to use automation or to incorporate it uh, into existing equipment? And, and how easy is it, is it to automate um, a system or retrofit a system that's not automated? Yeah, certainly. So the adoption of automation has come by way of a younger, uh, if not, you know, I, I, I joke around and say, you know, the educated, right? There appears to be a lot more either younger educated people 
you know, than there is, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the older, if not the, the seasoned individuals, right? You know, they know how things work. Pneumatics is, is, is okay. It's great. But we find that folks are migrating into, number one, it's okay. It's safe. It's proven. Uh, a lot of other companies and a lot of other industries are doing it. Uh, but we do find that their willingness is number one is yes, but then they always ask, and we always get this is what's my win result, right? What am I getting out of this if this gets installed at my site? Mm-hmm. It's the education side of understanding going from on off control for a simple 1 million BTU reboiler that if I go to automation, I can introduce a four to 20 valve. I can introduce tighter control where now we don't get temperature swings, temperature swings, better end product. That means this unit's going to run more efficiently. We're going to have, um, you know, more efficient burn on that burner. We're going to get the expectations, you know, as it's written, we're going to see this actually in production. So we, we see the willingness is there. It's just now, you know, the, the sales technical sales side, uh, for us to um, inform, I keep saying the word train, but inform the client uh, specifically right. of these uh, features. Yeah. How, how easy is it to take an existing system that has no automation? Um, are you having to replace components? Is there certain things you can just add on top of what's already there to, to automate a system? Yeah, certainly. We find that, uh, you know, sometimes these retrofits happen by way of an unfortunately say an incident or something that they need to either have mandate due to safety so it's prescribed by either from a a safety uh, group uh, from a engineering team what have you where they deem that it has to meet say nfpa api or you know the other four or five safety agencies Mm -hmm. then they they get us to the field and have us determine if in fact it does meet, so we have to make the assessment based on our knowledge and experience, is it yes or no? And then if it's no, then we need to tell them obviously what devices can be retrofitted, what can be modified, and then what obviously needs to be just peeled out and then have new installed. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, speaking to automation, uh, can you tell us how, how your customers have reacted to the, uh, the ELO valve? Yeah, certainly. So again, this uh, this valve, as far as it being again, you know, compact, something that can be a direct bolt in. Uh, back to that retrofit, right? This is something that can be uh, again, you know, hand carried and with a handful, few simple tools, you know, installed. And then that signal, whether it be used on our platform or any other device uh, that's out there that can accept or if not control by way of four to twenty. Uh, you know, we find it as a, a direct replacement. Uh, so we do find that, again, whether it be uh, the client supply valve with either a traditional, you know, on off going to I to P or from an I to P from another control valve, this being kind of that simple uh, drop in. But I'd seen that the reception of the, uh, the valve uh, in the field um, has been has been great. Yeah. So we haven't, you know, we haven't seen any, uh, you know, any real issues uh, that uh, gives any cause for concern. Good. Yeah, I know um, it's been great having you guys, um, you know, be the, the sole distributor for that. And uh, I think it's going to do really well. Indeed. All right. So, John, we just uh, got through recording a podcast actually on, on cold weather tips, how to handle uh, being out and maximizing production during cold weather. I, I'd be curious if you have anything you've uh, 
you'd recommend to customers? Yeah, certainly. So moisture mitigation, we find is the culprit. And I literally, I just had this conversation earlier today. We've got clients that um, they have safety shutoff valves and they want to move away from pneumatics for obvious reasons, especially in the great white North, um, just because of that, a, you know, a, a, an ounce of moisture is, you know, you can lock up, you know, the air supply line, right? Your impulse lines. So we find that um, in cold weather, anything we can do from knockout pots, scrubbers, uh, coalescent filtering, preheating, anything we can to knock out any type of moisture, this is something that is going to, that is going to help. So that's kind of where we start now, depending upon where it is, geography, right? As we move further north, um, you know, there's heat trace options, there's jacketing, you know, there's things that can be done and, you know, proper insulating, you know, so we can do it from a mechanical standpoint, electrical, but then we start looking at the actual process. So we spend a lot of time with our clients talking about um, uh, moisture mitigation because we find that lines do, you know, again, freeze up with the presence of wet gas being untreated. Mm-hmm. Now, do you see, <clears throat> I mean, that's, I guess, would be another advantage to going to electrically actuated valves would be that there's no supply gas or air needed. Another feature set added to, you know, justifying the reason to go that direction. Yep. Right. Now up in, you know, let's say Alaska or, you know, way up north, do you, do you see electric actuation um, more prevalent in those areas just for that fact? Uh, we do. Uh, we also see where they actually will put housing, right? There'll be some level of protection uh, right. around the fuel train, around the actual vessel. Uh, we, 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 I guess we call them dog houses, if you will. These are just mm-hmm. simple drop right over the unit. Um, but anything we can do there that, uh, that can help. But I, we find that the pneumatics that, uh, again, and we see also from the ESG, uh, side of the initiatives is that folks are moving away from the gas feed as a pneumatic uh, just because of the uh, the venting when that unit obviously needs to needs to close. Um, so again, that small little footprint that we're starting to see from an ESG initiative, uh, folks are moving away from the natural gas or if not gas supply feed for pneumatics. Hence the requirement and need for uh, air supply, nitrogen, um, they're on site. So again, yeah. we talk about even with air compressors, right? They're, they're susceptible to the same thing. Everything else pneumatic is right. And moisture in the cold. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Thanks, John. Yeah. I, we, uh, we, we joke about it. We, we get some good natured comments on our, our YouTube page sometimes of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I see you doing that there, but how about in North Dakota when it's negative 40, <laughs> there's wind in your face. It's a lot harder to make that repair, you know? So, uh, but we, we do appreciate, uh, those men and women out there battling the elements and, and it's always good to give them, give them options to, uh, to maybe even stay in a little bit more if they can incorporate some electric, uh, electric you power. Bet. We're going to be doing a startup in uh, North Dakota, I think early February and, uh, it, yeah, everybody's cussing that just as, as we go. <laughs> <laughs> you're from alaska it doesn't you know, bother and again, you right? i've spent so much time in texas now i think that either my, my, my blood type has changed and everything okay. else because it's a balmy 80 degrees out here and you know or was now we got a little cold front but you know hey it's it is what it is but yeah safety first right yeah absolutely curse you have any other questions for john 
just circling back to that conversation about incorporating automation, if there's any if there's any tips or anything uh, you would share about kind of those, you know, if you take, take us inside of some of those conversations, I understand you position yourselves as, as safety and, and, and a technology company. And so obviously that's going to help help those conversations, but, uh, but yeah, just some of the, some of the value that's added, you know, just, just get, getting into some, into the, uh, you know, in deep into some of those conversations, like what are those like and how do you overcome hesitancy? Yeah, certainly. And again, if we can just touch on that for a moment is that, you know, we do find clients that they, they understand the, the inherent investment of this valve is going to be more than perhaps their current installation. And we're okay with that because we're there to, again, educate, not necessarily train, but have them understand is why we're doing this. And that cost benefit to them, you know, has to outweigh that capital investment. So we do see clients that, number one, they've done the research, right? We, they, they kind of know what they need to do. It's uh, now gets into, you know, what is it that I can gain from this, this installation? And especially if we can uh, prove and that's another you know key word there is that we can prove either through existing installations, um, other clients that we can use as references to let them know that adjusting adjusting inlet gas pressure, adjusting regulators and running within the range you know the prescribed or if not the published range of a device, this system will run you know the way it's supposed to. So we find that if we can train them on that and then show right? Either through test sites, right? This is one that we've done before where we've done uh, uh, live demonstrations. We've done test, test sites, uh, not based on what they find. And, you know, they, they see this as a, a commercially viable solution that satisfies that piece. But then also on the other side, they actually get, you know, what they've, uh, you know, what they desire. Oh, that's great. We've been trying to, we've been taking steps in that direction and, and trying to introduce uh, packages and products that are, uh, as Kyle mentioned, you know, things you can just take a, take a baby step toward to see, see the, see the value in the real world. And then, uh, and then we can expand from there, but uh, it's definitely seems to be a growing, growing issue. I, I think we would echo what you said about uh, hearing the words ESG uh, more in the last six months than the last six years. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, every, every day, almost you hear people talking about that and, you know, some people, it's kind of like a trigger word for some people, I guess. Um, But I think we're, I think it's moving in the right direction and uh, people are starting to figure it out. So. So what's, what's real interesting about this uh, Kyle and Curtis, I'll share with you is that we're looking at another industry here, uh, you know, going, taking our profile solution uh, and introducing this and, um, their ESG initiative is not only internal to where now they could actually get, again, credits, right? Government issued credits that deem based on monetary value of, of you know, how much you are saving. But beyond that, it's investor. Their investor relations, they mm-hmm. are seeing more and more uh, engagement with these third-party investing companies or even just, you know, primary, you know, capitalizers, if you will, these guys that want to come in and invest, they see this as a, a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. I think people are nowadays are more aware of where their money is going. Um, you know what, even if you're just buying a product, um, I think there's a lot of research being done by the consumers on where that money is going. And 
right. you know, who they're backing by buying that product. So I think, you know, it's good that all these companies are, are looking at, you know, okay, what's our stance on this? Yeah, it's been a good conversation to, to maybe even help enlighten a little bit uh, kind of what ProFire is doing and, and, uh, and Kim Ray as well. Yeah. So appreciate you jumping on with us. Jeff. No, it was great. Again, thank you for the inclusion. And uh, obviously, if there's other future podcasts we can be a part of, you know, ProFire definitely wants to be involved. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You'll find links to the videos and products we mentioned in this episode show notes. We'll hope you will join us next time on stuff you should know about oil and gas production.